Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the main event. We've got another group preview podcast for you. You're back with me, Daniel. And Aaron. Aaron, we've been very naughty. Um, at the end of these podcasts, obviously, we are meant to give our group predictions. And for the last two podcasts, we're just on such a floor that we're completely negated to do them. So it's we're doing to catch up on that. Hold ourselves accountable. Um, so before we get cracking with the Group E preview that we've got planned for everyone today, um, we do need to just quickly say who we think is going to go through from Group C and Group D. So first of all, Group C, what are your thoughts? So the order I've got them in for Group C, I've got Man City winning the group. I've got Marseille second, Porto third, Olympiacos fourth. But I think it'll be very close. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be clear cut. Yeah, I think Man City are going to win comfortably, to be honest with you. I know that we sort of probably give their players a bit of a passion, but it's not so much in terms of the players aren't good. It's more so which players can you rely on from a fantasy point of view because who is Pep Guardiola going to play? Mm-hmm. so it was more so from that so I do think that they'll be the ones to go through first I agree Marseille second I just think they play in the most competitive league and whereas I think Porto could have given them a really good go at it I think losing two of their most influential players certainly the most influential player in Tellers um, I think that'll make them come unstuck and yeah Olympiacos I, I, I think it'll still be close between Marseille, Olympiacos and Porto but I think it will be um, in that order, the same as you. Group D, who we've got going on there? What's your What's your order? Um, for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to go Liverpool, Atalanta, Ajax, Michelin. However, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to say Atalanta win this group. I think Liverpool finish second. So that's my prediction. Atalanta. I'm true, staying true to my fan. Who these are my team for this year? Yeah. Atlanta win the group. Liverpool second. Ajax third. Michelin fourth. I think Atlanta win the group. No, I bring on the hate. I'm going to say the same. I think um, if there's any team that can exploit Liverpool's defensive frailties, Atlanta have got as good a chance as anyone. Um. I think Liverpool and Atlanta will go through with a canter, to be honest, from this group. No disrespect to the two teams. Um, but I do just think they're too strong. I think it's going to come down to the head-to-heads between Liverpool and Atlanta, who will finish top. Don't pick defenders for those games, I'd say. I think but yeah, goal I'd go for Atlanta play, Liverpool. Sorry, I think goal difference Ajax. will play a big, big part in this. If Atlanta beat Michelin 6-0... Liverpool have to just, they can't afford to rest players. You like, like what we were talking about in the, our reaction podcast. I think they've just got to try and, and go, but when it gets to the knockout, you've to win the competition, you've got to beat everyone anyway. So I guess it's just about getting through. And then in the knockouts, it's anyone's game, but yeah, I think Atalanta are more likely to be ruthless than Liverpool, who are more likely to be conservative because they're battling on both fronts. So. Cool. So we're in agreement yet again. 
this is why we need other people here to disagree with us. Even though I think we've given some quite, I think that's a quite a controversial opinion anyway. That's not like our dullard selves um, to think that Atlanta would finish above them. Neither mm-hmm. defense are particularly great. But we do obviously have another week's worth of uh, data to come up. But that's us all uh, cleared off from last week after we totally, totally forgot from um, the last couple of podcasts. So on to Group E. What a group. Uh, This was one of my favorite to actually look at um, just because it is... It's a group. It's a group full of potential. There are some players in this group that really stand out as as choices that I think could make a massive difference to some people's teams. Um, and obviously, we joked on the live reaction that it was a bit of a Europa League group. Uh, maybe a little bit disrespectful on Sevilla more than Chelsea, to be honest, because uh, they've started the season fantastically well, but. Up first, we do have uh, Krasnodar, who I think are relatively unknown. I think only real football aficionados would have any clue what they're about. Um, transfers in-wise, I, I couldn't really look at transfers out because trying to figure out who anyone was, I thought was a bit pointless in that respect. I did have a quick look, but there wasn't any major moves. But looking at people that are playing, um, Smolnikov's a new signing at right back, and he's played two of the last four games. Uh, on and off with Petrov. Then we have uh, Chernov, who's a left-back, recently signed, but he hasn't played. It seems to be Ramirez uh, is the first choice with Petrov also filling in on that side for one of those games. But I think um, Ramirez seems to be the first choice pick. And then they've also signed a young uh, centre-forward Markov, but he hasn't played at all. We were obviously joking on the last podcast about um, ex-Newcastle players playing the Champions League. This team is no different. Remy Kabir. Uh, oh, yeah. He's he's in this team. Actually scored a goal in the 2-1 win in the previous Champions League game because they did have to go through qualifying. So we do have a good little bit of data. So one thing I've noticed is they have played against a Champions League team this season, which is a locomotive Moscow and they got beat 1-0. So that's probably evidence of where they are, really. Um, they've drawn 1-1 with CSK, who are no longer at the peak of their powers, but I think they're a household name, CSK. They've been beaten 2-0 off Dynamo Moscow. And then they did get through the Champions League um, qualifiers by winning both games 2-1. Looking at their players, they don't have too much of a of a talisman. Cabela's got two goals uh, in four games. He did score in both of the Champions League games, though, if you want to roll with that. Petrov got a goal from left-back, even though he's used to playing right-back, but I still wouldn't maybe go, go that way. Petrov did play in both of the Champions League games, League games, though, however, Smolinov played in the league games, so that might that might give us an indication that Smolinov's for the league, Petrov's maybe for the the bigger fixtures. Smolnikov in that case might be a bit of a trap at four million, but if he is a, if we get an indication that he is going to be the right back at four million, he's the perfect sort of player to just come in and allow us to put our money elsewhere because we are looking for four million defenders. 
However, in this group, there is a much better four million pound option, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramirez is an out of position midfielder, so he's a he's a defender on the game, and he's played three of the last four games in midfield. Uh, four and a half million. That might that might work quite nicely because Krasnodar, uh, Krasnodar are going to be a team that are going to try and get ball recovery points essentially. Having him played a bit further up the pitch might give him a chance, but at the same time, he's not done anything to suggest he is going to get attacking returns, just for people to be aware of. Uh, Kabea is six million, and then they've got um, Klassen at six and a half, who looks to be their penalty taker. Slim pickings, though, if I'm being honest, from Krasnodar. Like I say, if you want to risk Molnikov for four, Ramirez out of position at four and a half. Kabea at six is probably the most outstanding choice in terms of a points return in class and at six and a half is a bit of a pun for penalties, but it's a big question. How many penalties are they going to get? It's a bit like Mitrovic in the league. People are getting him because he takes penalties in the Premier League, but how many penalties do we expect Fulham to get? Uh, probably one at the weekend now that I've said that, but it's not all about penalty takers. Also, European leagues are well ahead of us in terms of certain rules with regards to penalties, we've always been behind. So when those rules got introduced across Europe, penalties spiked like they did in our league. But since they've massively dropped as players have learned and referees have sort of gotten used to the rules as well. So I think targeting penalty takers isn't maybe as effective in the Champions League as what it would be in the league. Also, there's a 38-game spread in the league. So, you know, you leave someone set and forget as a penalty taker the chances of winning a penalty, you know, as a ratio might be the same, but because there's more games, you've got a much better chance of hitting. Maybe a bit of luck going on in the Champions League, or obviously it's going to favour the attacking teams. So for penalty takers, there's probably much better options out there. Definitely. Did you see much on them? Did you see much on Krasnodar? Not really. I thought that it was quite interesting, the fact that, Again, the Russian league has played so many more games than everyone else. So the data is you have a lot more of it. And I think something that was interesting with with Krasnodar is that they have won 3-0 away from home. Well, basically every single time they've been away from home, I think they've scored. Um, Sorry, that's... Absolute nonsense. Anyway, <laughs> that's, what that's, we, that's what we've promised the people, Aaron. We've promised yeah, them yeah. complete nonsense. Um, so, no, no, I, I, read, I read my thing wrong. They have played a lot of away games, though, so they're used to traveling. Um, yeah. So it's a, I've it's noticed what, that the, the 10th in the league after 10 games, mm-hmm. they've won four, drawn three, and lost three. That isn't the kind of form that says, please purchase me as a Champions League fantasy asset when, especially, you know, people may look at Locomotive as one of, you know, as a team that they don't want to buy into because they might be considered as whipping boys, which I don't think is true. I don't think they will be. But if they're beating these 1-0 and are above them in the league, I think it gives an idea really of the standard that we should expect from Krasnodar that I don't think these are going to be you know, maybe a Mitchland where, yeah, they'll probably get beat. But, you know, I think 
maybe they'll be able to set up like a low block. I just can't see these doing particularly well. Like I say, this is more your budget, get your two points from your cheap assets and get out, in my opinion. Yeah, like um, I think the their performances are massively skewed because they won 7-2 in one of the games. Yeah. And, and I think like, because looking at the table, they've they're the second highest goal scorers. So people might be like, oh yeah, it's an attacking team. But I mean, they've not scored in three games so far. And three of the other games, they've only scored one. So it's hard to, yeah, I it's massive skew in the data. I don't think they're as reliable as a team. I don't even know how many people are going to be going for, for Krasnodar, to be fair. So it'd be interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll probably be staying clear of them. Uh, do you want to dive right into Chelsea, Aaron? One of the, the teams, again, that we know plenty about. Yeah, so, I mean... People know that because of their transfer ban being lifted, that they were very active in the transfer market. Lots of going ins, lots of outs. Some of the outs you probably didn't even know played for the team, like Pasolic for Atalanta. Um, but they have done a lot of business, and I think it's very smart business. They've completely transformed the look of the team. And as a result, the game has not been very nice and instead of kind of being like other teams and said, right, we're going to price them all a bit equally, like just below the premium options so that you've got to choose. They've just priced everybody at a premium and you've got to just hope for the best. And I think that's, yeah, it's quite harsh. Um, you've got Werner who has been played on the wing the whole time, 10.5 million forward. I don't know if you want to be spending that much on a forward to then have him playing as a winger. Um, obviously, that depends on if Pulisic ends up coming back playing both the Premier League and the Champions League. I don't think he will, especially this first game of Sevilla. I don't think he'll be rushed back for that game. So I wouldn't play Pulisic yet. Havertz. He, he scored a hat-trick, but that was in the cup, lower league opposition. Yeah, I wouldn't... I think some of the German fans might go on to him. Uh, but I, I, again, I would, I would just kind of wait and see for Chelsea. I wouldn't have them in in your first few. I think the only interesting options, one is N'Golo Kante and Kovacic, because they're 5.5 cheaper midfielder options and they'll rack up ball recovery points. Yeah. Um, obviously their chances of picking up a yellow card increase with that, but them two are quite reliable in recovering the ball and, and trying to break up play. And so it's something that if you were looking for a safe option, a safe floor, they're, two players. Jorginho is 6 million and he's been taking the penalties race, uh, recently. And all of their mid, all of their defenders are rated 5 million, except for Chilwell, who's 
Now, I think that's literally because they don't know who's going to play. So yeah. we're just going to price everybody the same at a premium because 5 million for a defender is quite pricey. You can have an Atalanta wing back for the same price. And Chelsea don't keep that many clean sheets, especially in this group. So they're a hard team, but I wouldn't, at me personally, I wouldn't fill up my team on Chelsea just yet until the players who have returned back from injury like Ziyech and Pulisic are actually settled into the team and they've found their starting 11. That's the nice thing about yeah. what Frank Lampard does is that when he's found a starting 11 and they start to work, he plays that starting 11 for the next five games until they lose and then he'll change things and then he plays that starting 11 again for until they lose, basically. So yeah, once he founds the formula... The team's kind of set and forget. And that might be nice for Champions League. Yeah, I think um, for me looking at them, uh, Vern has a no, just at 10.5 million, I'd rather pay the extra 0.5 to go to Haaland. I don't want Chelsea players for the first game against Sevilla anyway, because I think they're the toughest team in the group. And I think as, as talented as Chelsea's players are, a team that haven't quite gelled yet. I appreciate the give uh, Crystal Palace a good hiding 4-0, which is terrific, thanks to a second-half performance and a couple of penalties. And the penalties were deserved. It's not like they were contentious in any way. But up against one of the most uh, well-oiled machines in Europe, in my opinion, in Sevilla, they are just the absolute example of, of pure teamwork being better than what the what the individual players are so i don't really fancy any of them chilwell's rightfully priced at five and a half million if he was any less i'd be really tempted i got chilwell in on my fpl team before the crystal palace hall i got him in on my wild card because i had a wild card early because i had a terrible start um so i'll always speak highly of him thanks for my 18 points then tamori uh, and ruger are both priced at four and a half because Chelsea's defence is so poor, I think Frank does like to rotate in that department more than anywhere else. If he feels like the defenders haven't been great, then I think Tomori uh, in particular, more than Rudy goes in with a shout because Tomori's made a couple of appearances since and played really well. Um, Jorginho stand out at 6 million. And I think over the winter, maybe not for the, again, especially not for the severe game, but later on, I think Giroud at seven and a half. I think he might, maybe even Ren, especially with him having experience in the French league. Because I think Tammy and Werner are going to be his go-to Premier League. I don't think he's going to start the first game. And obviously with the sort of the state of, English football during the winter and especially over Christmas and then you've it's just so many games then you come into that Champions League period afterwards as well I think we might see Frank be most comfortable rotating I think as far as depth of squad go Chelsea are really really strong in that department like I think if you look at Zuma, Tamori, Rudiger there's not that much in it I think you probably could rank them but it's not a massive drop off. So, and, and again, like if you look at like Giroud and Tammy, they can both do a job. If you look at that, the midfielders, Mount, 
Pulisic, who I do think is the best of the lot. Havertz, because he hasn't quite gelled yet. Zayek, like, is the drop-off massive between these players? So I think Frank can just swap them in and out based on form and fitness comfortably without there being a massive drop. And that's a benefit in a sense where we might get lucky on a cheap player. But I think it'll also come to bite when they arse when that player doesn't play. But like I say, against Sevilla, it's not a, not a fixture I'm interested in. There's so many good fixtures in game week one. I don't I don't have any interest in going to Chelsea. I don't have much interest in, in the English teams, to be honest. I, I don't know how many players I've got from English teams. Um, we're just like, our league is just so sporadic at the moment that I, I don't know, there might just be a bit of consistency elsewhere, but that's just me. Um, it's not to say that I, like, I don't think the English teams will do well. Like I say, I think, we'll, I mean, we'll get on to it later, but I think three of the four will qualify. So not to say that we're bad. And Liverpool and Man City have the potential to go all the way, of course they do. It's just this is a different type of game. This isn't just, oh, who's going to win? Who's a good player? It's it's obviously a specific game that we're, that we're looking to take advantage of. Sevilla, we're on to now. And these are really interesting. Um and I think there's a bit of a gem in here. So really quickly, just with regards to Sevilla, they've only played three games in La Liga so far anyway. So La Liga and Serie A has been really difficult to get a, like a hold on with their results. There's, they've also not had like League Cup games like the English League has. So the, the pool of information is really, really small. They've gratefully played Bayern Munich in the Super Cup, so we do have that information. But um, transfers out, the big ones, Eva Benega, um, football manager legend, and then uh, Regulion, uh, no idea how to pronounce his name still, has obviously signed at left back for uh, Tottenham now. And they were two massive parts of their team. Um, the latter, obviously, it was actually a Real Madrid player on loan, but Benega has been there for so long that there was a little bit of a worry of how they're going to do without him because... He plays both parts in that central midfield where he is an aggressive, tenacious, ball-winning midfielder. And he's absolute mustard on the ball as well. He'll just pop the ball around for fun. It, it was always him dictating the tempo. Now, I think they've done unbelievably well getting Rakitic in the team because although he yeah. isn't quite as tenacious, as far as control in a game goes, the guy is elite level. Um and I think often underrated, but he is an elite level footballer. I appreciate he's getting on, which is obviously why Barcelona have let him go. They needed to revamp because they had so many aging players. But I think he actually suits this because Benega wasn't young himself. Mm-hmm. And I think the work rate of the rest of the team are going to help Rakitic anyway. They have brought in a few players. Akuna at left back, um, who hasn't been playing. Um, we've then got um, a player that I think is called Bono is in like U2's lead singer Bono, but on the game is Bonu. Like it's spelled completely differently. So we'll just call him B. <laughs> so we've got B in goal. Uh, he's played every game and he's just signed. We've got Oscar Rodriguez, as, um, a new attacking midfielder that's came to the club, hasn't played yet. Idrissi, left winger who hasn't played yet, or at least not started. And uh, obviously, like we've just mentioned, Rakitic, who's came in. 
Um, they've got one injury at the back in Rekic. So he's not been playing. He's been out since October the 3rd and there is no return date on him yet. So just to be aware. But what I've noticed is they are fairly consistent. Navas has played all four games at right back and he has two assists at right back. Uh, so Navas is five and a half million. Obviously, I think a lot of people know about him from his time previously in La Liga amid that sandwich where he was in a Man City as well. So I think we're all aware of, of Navas and his capabilities. He's a 5.5 million. He's a massive differential. I can't see Sevilla conceding too many goals in this group at all. And he's capable of an assist. I think where maybe he falls short a bit is I don't think he's quite got the, the potential to get a goal, whereas some of the other premium defenders do. I think he's more of an assist machine. But I think defensively, Sevilla look as likely as anyone to keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, virtue of the group that they've got. Again, Chelsea might be a bit of a struggle, but I think with the other two teams, it's more than possible. Uh, they've jumped around for the left-backs between Acuna and Escudero, so I wouldn't go there. Um, Rakitic has been a mainstay. He's scored a goal. Um, and then they have moved everyone around a little bit. So Luke de Jong is their main striker. And he's in good form. He's got a couple of goals in the last uh, three games. Munier, Suso, they sort of seem to be jumping around. Ocampos plays everywhere, but he's the penalty taker. So if you are looking for a penalty taker, Ocampos at eight and a half million. Luke de Jong as an eight million striker, I think might be a little bit too much when uh, Gomez at Atlanta is around that price as well. But for me, the main, the main person here who has played three of the last four games but most importantly, played in a 1-1 draw with Barcelona and played in a 1-1 draw with Bayern, so proves that this player is trusted, is a £4 million defender called Koundé. So this looks to be that that one sort of jackpot player that is a starting player in a team likely to keep clean sheets for €4 million. Euros. Uh, for me, he's an absolute must because even if he does get two points, then who cares? He's four million, but I'm confident that he will play. So I think for me, that's the one you want to go for. And um, the goalkeeper, like I said earlier, five million. So I'd rather save that million because I don't really want to double up. Same with the Navas situation. I'm not too keen on doubling up on Sevilla at the minute, especially when their hardest game in the group is Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe if they, you know, keep Chelsea out then I can look to maybe make that one of my transfers, especially with how cheap the goalkeeper is. And that sort of, that there might be a little tactic in there with getting him as my first choice keeper because of something else we'll talk about when we speak about Barcelona, just for like a spread of funds. But yeah, that's what I've seen from Sevilla. Really good start of the league. The sixth because they've played three games like everyone else, but they have won two games and they've drawn one. The draw was against Barcelona. And like I say, they drew a Bayern Munich in the Super Cup and eventually losing an extra time. But for the benefit of this podcast, a Champions League group game is 90 minutes. So I thought that was fair. Mm-hmm. No, the Sevilla, other than losing a Bayern Munich in the Cup, I think they had went a really long time without losing uh, and they haven't 
I mean, they've only played three games, but they look right back. I mean, they lost to Bayern Munich in extra time. So they technically, on a 90 minutes, drew with Bayern Munich. So they are a team not to be taken lightly. And yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to be looking at Sevilla to to see who I can try and, and get on the on my team. 100%. Um, group favourites, in my opinion, are maybe like on paper, obviously I think people will look at Chelsea's team and go, wow, very jealous. But this, they're still at that stage where they're gelling. Frank doesn't know his best team, best system, positions. And I just think that's what's going to hurt them against a well-oiled machine like Sevilla. You know, give you know, give Chelsea another year, and then I think you know we'll see a real contender. But yeah. they need time. Mm-hmm. They need and time. They're all young players as well. You are young, and Rakitic, Rakitic would walk into Chelsea's central midfield. I think. Yeah. Like I know it'd be quite old if you had Rakitic and Kante. You know, relative to you know the age of football players, but that'd be a a dominating midfield with Kante winning the ball and Rakitic just dictating everything. Um, And I think that's where it's going to come down to. I just think, you know, we'll look at the other teams as well. They aren't used to playing against teams that have someone in midfield that will dictate tempo like that, really. So I think, I think they're going to have the the upper hand, but like I say, Kunde is also a, um, targeted at set pieces as well. The set pieces seem to go towards his head. So that's uh, quite exciting, really. All, like I want to play like that because I want to get excited to watch Sevilla play and watch the centre back, four million centre back, go for set pieces. Like, yeah, that's the one of the reasons why I want to play this game. Just like a little bit of ridiculousness on a Tuesday night. Yeah, he is currently the most owned Sevilla player. So, but it's all the eager people who take the game very, very seriously who are like, have probably got him in right now. When it starts to get closer to the Champions League, I doubt as many people will have him in. So it's going to be one of them things where you, if you jump on him early, I think you'll benefit your team. And for 4 million, he enables you to be able to buy better elsewhere yeah De- uh, definitely so I'm last sure team, if, I read the last team in the group yeah I'm sure a French listener or anyone who knows French might be able to correct me I heard that it was Ren but it could be Rene or Rennes I don't know but um, I'm gonna call it, it Ren it's Ren it's Ren they are currently top of Ligue 1 even though they've played, uh, everyone's played the same amount of games. So Paris Saint-Germain have not caught up with them yet, but time will tell. And they have scored the most goals in the league so far and seem like a very solid team, unbeaten start of the season so far, six games in. So they've had a very strong start. Uh, However, when you look at who they've faced, can you... You've got to look at that. And they faced the team that's second. So they faced Lille and uh, drew 1-1. And so in a team, in a game that matters, uh, 
they did quite well with the draw, but they had two early sending offs in the first half in that game. So I don't, I think it was more of a don't lose the game rather than try to win it. So that can be a bit skewed. They've lost to Benfica. Obviously, Benfica are not in the Champions League, but Porto are. So I think it kind of, if you listen to what we said about Porto in our Group C match, Benfica beat them. And they've faced Monaco. And Monaco are definitely not the Monaco of old, uh, even like a few years back. But they're in, in France. They've had a very, very good start of the season. They have a record of producing young, exciting talent. But as a result, in terms of players to suggest here, they've shared around the goals so much that I wouldn't be able to pinpoint like a player the way that we identified with Sevilla. I think that, yeah, I, I don't know with Ren about price points as well. Like I think when looking at their team, it's kind of, I don't know if the game knows too much about <laughs> Ren either, yeah. but because their most expensive player, 7 million, I believe. Um, and so they don't really know about Ren either. So, but they're a team that, if you put them against Krasnodar, could get you points. And, I mean, they play Krasnodar first. So I guess I should probably suggest someone to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of players if you haven't. No. Uh, so you've got... I'm just trying to... Have you found that some of the names are like different on yeah, Google game. compared to what the game has. Yeah, and then even on other sites that I've been looking at, there's very different spellings for multiple names. It's really, really frustrating. Well, yeah. we had the uh, yeah. Atlanta Gate, haven't we? With J. Luis <laughs> yeah. being Palomino. This is his middle name. Yeah, whatever that is. Um, their main striker that has played every game, at least, Huno, uh, Huno. Um, Adrian Huno, 7 million is their main striker. And there's a player that I'm trying to find on here, uh, but I think he has a different name. Oh, they've got Rugani uh, from Juventus. Juventus. Well, yeah, I was just, while you look for that, I'll go through some of the, the transfers in and out. So Mendy has gone from goal to Chelsea, which I think is going to be a big loss, although... Uh, Salin has played the last four games in his absence. Um, Rafinha has went to Leeds and Rafinha has played in the last few games and Rafinha also scored in the last game. So that's yeah. a bit of a loss. Um, and they've lost a right-back called Boy who uh, played a few games ago. But since then, Triore and Soppy have deputised for him and they've sort of been swapping. The interesting thing for me is the Rugani situation. So there's a few things to consider with Rugani. Now, you're the Italian expert here, Aaron. Um, but as from what I gather from you and from watching it with my own two eyes is that Rugani isn't a very good defender, like in terms of elite levels. Yeah, also, he's, kind of like, he's kind of like a Christiansen for Chelsea. He's got a lot of promise as a young-ish centre-back. 
but he hasn't adapted well in a top tier team. So like I would, that's who I would kind of liken him for, for those who don't watch a lot of football where Christensen, he has his moments where he's great, but he's very mistake prone leading to, to leaky goals. That's what I would compare him to. Yeah. I think Christensen has been absolutely dreadful the last couple of years. He hasn't lived up to his expectations. So if he's that bad, um, but the thing is, he's a new shiny signing, isn't he, for them? So he might come in and replace Da Silva or Aguerd. So both of those players are four and a half million. And I think there might be incredible shouts because Da Silva scored two goals in the last four games. And Aguerd's also got a, one goal in the last four games, which from your centre-backs seems pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And at four and a half million, if you are looking for an enabler... And even a one-game punt against Krasnodar to then get them out and get someone else in, if that's the way you want to play the game, that could really, really work. Um, Gurassi is the player that I've seen playing a lot of games. Um, he's got a, a goal and assist in his last three. Um, he's six and a half million. And in Zonzi, who is now a veteran, Fantastic player, dominates midfield, likes to shoot from distance. He might get the extra point for scoring from outside the box. He has one goal in his last four games. Five and a half million might be worth a shout. I don't know who the penalty taker is for Ren. I don't know if they've had any penalties this season. Um, One thing that I did notice is their first choice left back, Mawasa. Uh, he has an ankle injury and will be back probably at the new year, so mid to late December, so he'll miss that lot and then it'll not be until 2021 that he's back. Coming in for him have been Triori and the new signing uh, boy. So the fullbacks seem to be all over the place where it's Triori, Soppy, boy sort of swapping around. Um, But again, if I was someone looking to purchase a Ren defender, I would probably, I'd personally go with De Silva, four and a half million, gets a goal, just hoping that Regani doesn't take one of their places. But I think they've got a game at the weekend. So if everyone keeps an eye out on that to see what the defensive partnership is and how well they do, obviously if they concede three or four, you'd expect a change. If they keep a clean sheet, you'd expect no change. So yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one for Ren. They're going through a period of, um, of transition, especially losing Mendy and Rafinha. I think Rafinha is going to be a massive loss for them. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think the one of the players who I recognised as well is Niang. He played for Watford, I believe. Yeah, he played for AC Milan. Mm-hmm. He was a youngster at AC Milan. So we had, like AC Milan fans, had a lot of expectations for him to develop he was a striker who, kind of like Marcus Rashford, because of his pace, got moved out to the wing. And But that was when AC Milan were going through a big transition. Couldn't really afford to buy people. So it was kind of more to fill a gap. Watford then bought him as a left winger. and Didn't really he, work out for him. He's not a left winger. and But he has he's someone who could have like a flash especially against Krasnodar 
uh, his pace can be very troubling. I think one of the biggest things about Wren is that they had they've had three yellow. Uh, sorry, they've had three red cards so far this season, and so as a result, I don't know if you found Terrier. He's a defensive midfielder, isn't he, Terrier? Yet, but he's not playing defensive midfield. He's been playing as a winger and a. I think he's been playing as a winger. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's someone who. I don't know if with Rafinha gone, if he would play there, but it's hard to tell because he got red carded three games ago. So they yeah. have an early kickoff. They play on Friday. The. Um, Oh, two seconds, lost the date. I pressed back instead of <laughs> clicking fixtures. Yeah, so they play on Friday, the 16th of October. For I don't know when this uh, will be released, but if he plays then, that team is going to be the most likely to play Krasnodar. And depending on how they do against Dion, I think that if there's a, if a, if there's a goal scorer there, who scores in that game, and you want to take a punt on Wren, I would just That's pick the one for. Mm-hmm. They have an early kickoff as well, so it gives you a chance to yeah. watch it, watch highlights, and then pick from there. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think of the midfielders, I think between six and a half million Terrier and five and a half million and Zonzi, I'd prefer Zonzi A for the million, B for the goal threat. And the extra point for scoring from outside the box. And Zonzi breaks the ball down a lot. So for five and a half million, I might be talking myself into when Zonzi. But Agued de Silva, keep an eye out on those two, everyone. Four and a half million defenders. Uh, and even though, you know, irrespective of where I think they might finish in the group, that doesn't necessarily mean I think they'll get battered off anyone, Ren. I don't think they're a bad enough team for, you know, even Sevilla to walk all over them. I just think it'll be... Just one of those where I think teams like Sevilla and Chelsea will be too strong, but I can't see them winning fours and fives and you're going to be getting minus points or anything like that. Wild prediction. I don't know how wild it is, actually. So just a prediction. You built it up now, Aaron. Krasnodar will go through. <laughs> no, I think, that, I think there'll be a player who plays in Wren who'll be bought by a big team in January from these Champions League games. And that will just kind of With, wait what, and oh, see. We're just waiting to see the diamond in the rough. They'll, they just have a track record of producing really good players. And there's going to be... Kind of probably He's already touted as being the the next Vieira or whoever the one that says the next person, which is obviously always ridiculous. Yeah. But Kamavinga is the one that is got a massive price tag on him already and is proving to be a really, really good player. I don't think... I don't know how much of a fantasy asset you'll be. I think you might get a lot of ball recovery points, to be honest, because he plays that position. He's sort of breaks up the play. He does have one assist in the last four games. So he's got a little bit of something about him. And he I played for the was, um, he played in the French for. game uh, for the France team uh, this week in an international break. Him and Pogba in midfield. So against Ukraine three days ago, apparently. There you go. Yeah, Kamavinga is the next big thing. I think in France, let alone in this team. Mm-hmm. 
Aaron, prediction time. I think it's pretty obvious. I think we've shown our cards throughout this podcast anyway, but what do you, what do you want it for? Yeah, Krasnodar first. I think that's what everyone got the idea of what we were saying. No. Yeah. I think Sevilla first, Chelsea second, Ren third, Krasnodar fourth. Exactly the same. No surprise. It's a very boring prediction, but I, I think that will be the way it goes. Well, that was fun. We have another uh, another group preview coming up. Uh, just coming thick and fast. Starting to uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Before we've got one more sort of game. It's worth the data before looking at our teams for next week. So that's exciting. I'm just excited for it all to start. It's really exciting looking at the game now and seeing the uh, little clock tick down. Yeah, yeah. So just mm-hmm. single figures. Is it going on holiday? We're not allowed to go on holiday. So this is the closest thing I've got to going on holiday. Seeing a ticker for a stupid game starting, but never mind. Um, So Aaron, thank you very much. Everyone, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Yep. Follow us at UCL Fantasy Pod on Twitter. (laughs) Check us out on YouTube at Main Event Fantasy Champions League Podcast. And... We now have a league code so you can join the podcast league. I'll put that in the description and because it's not reading, it's not loading for me to get it for you. Um, But we'll put it in the description of every uh, episode and we'll plug it at the start of as like an edit. So yeah, join our league, prove that you're better than us and that you know better than us. And don't just put it in the comments. Anyways, I'll catch you later. Bye.